Dean Kearns is one of our children's workers. And y'all, this lady is so devoted to our church. She is so devoted to our church. There are days where she's here as long as I am. There are days where I leave and her van is still parked in the parking lot. And she's still doing things for our kids, for our church. So devoted. Uh, she's had some tests and there have been... The doctors have seen some things that concern them, so she's got to go back uh, for further testing and to find out some results and that sort of thing. And she said, look, I've been in this situation before, and God's taken care of it before. And so we're going to trust he's going to do the same thing again. But we want to pray over her this morning. And uh, other lady, if she comes in, we'll just bring her up and we'll pray over her as well. We're going to pray over our service today. But any of you who would like to come and just join in as a sign of support, we believe that we are a family. And families love each other and families support each other. We don't always agree with each other. We don't always, always like every decision that each other makes, but we love each other and we support each other. That's what God calls us to. And I'm so thankful that this morning I'm part of the family of God. I'm so thankful that I've been washed in the blood and that I have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's the greatest family. I've got a great earthly family, but it's the greatest family you could ever be a part of is the family of God. And we're so thankful for that this morning. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We exalt and we lift your name. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The world says we're crazy. And from their point of view, we are. But we have found the truth. We have found the one with the words of truth. Where else could we go? The truth is in Jesus Christ. And so today, God, we are so thankful that we are part of your family. We're so thankful that we get to come here and worship today. God, we pray for our nation. You have commanded us to both pray and be thankful for those who are in authority over us. And so today, God, we pray for our president. We pray for our vice president. We pray for the cabinet. We pray for the Congress. We pray for the Supreme Court. We pray for our governor and lieutenant governor. We pray for our general assembly in this state. We pray for our mayor. We pray for our city council. God, anyone else who is in authority, who is a leader, God, we pray for them and we give you thanks for them. God, we don't have to always agree with them to pray for them and to pray that good is done in our nation. And so, God, we pray you'd give them wisdom. We pray you'd give them insight. God, those that don't know you, we pray that you would reveal yourself to them and they would come to know you. And God, there may be some who think they know you but are deceived, and we pray that you would reveal the truth to them. And God, we thank you for those who know you and are bold about their knowledge of you, and we pray that you would give them wisdom to lead according to your word so that we all might be blessed, Christian and non-Christian in this country, God, that there might be a blessing for everyone. And so, God, we just thank you for the authorities over us, and I pray, God, that we would love them enough to pray for them on a continuous basis. Father, we come now and we thank you so much that you are the divine healer, that you are the one that can touch. God, I know that I've had in my life test results, medical test results that came back negative and then people prayed and the next time 
I went, they found out that the bad thing was not there. That the bad prognosis was just a prognosis, but you had other ideas. And so, God, we're thankful that you can do that this morning, God. And we thank you for Dean. We thank you for her ministry here, God. And yes, it is a ministry that she has here. We thank you for how much she loves your church and the children of this church. And God, we just pray right now, we believe that you are going to take care of this. We believe that everything is going to turn out for the good. We believe, God, that you are going to give her strength, God, and you are going to continue to bless her. Your hand is going to be upon her as she continues to serve you, as she continues to love you, God. We're thankful for her family and their devotion to this church, but more importantly, to your kingdom. And so, God, today we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We believe, God, we have faith, God, that you have already taken care of this. You have already taken care of this, God. We are so thankful for what you've done, and we're so thankful for what you are going to do. And, Father, anybody else who has a sickness, Lord, we know that there are some here who may have a sickness that, that the doctors have said they won't recover from. And God, we're, we're thankful for the word of man, but your word is so much higher. And God, when you say something, it will be done. Your word is powerful. And so God, we pray that you would speak a word over these people. You would heal them. You would touch them today, God. You would raise them up. Father, we thank you that you are here. Your Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is in this room. Speaking, guiding directing us, changing us if we'll surrender to look more and more like Jesus. And so, God, today I just pray that you would work on us, Lord. We, we thank you so much. You call us to be unified. You call us to be one. And so, God, I pray that this church would be one in such a way that those outside would see the unity that could only come through the Holy Spirit. Diverse people, diverse backgrounds, but brought together in unity because of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we magnify you today. Lord, we're celebrating along with the rest of our nation the freedom that we have, but we will not exalt the name of America above the name of Jesus Christ. There is no name given under heaven whereby we must be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. And it is his name that we exalt this morning. It's his name that we lift high. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the salvation that comes through Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray because he's the one who loved us enough to give himself for us. And all of Rushwood said together, amen. Let it be so. Praise God this morning. Thank you so much for coming and praying with us this morning. Is Jason Kendrick in the room? There's Jason. Don't, don't sit down, Jason. Come on up here. I don't know if you guys and gals know this fella here. His name is Jason Kendrick, but if you know him really well, you call him what? Jaybird. This is Jaybird's actually my second cousin. We've known each other for a long time. I remember when he was born and he was an annoying little kid. But anyway, uh, we've known each other for a long time. You may know that our prayer director... Uh, Daryl Gordon, he and his wife moved to the coast, and so they're not with us anymore. And as I prayed and as I sought 
what God would have us to do as far as a prayer director, Jason was the one that God kept bringing to my mind. And uh, Jason, if you ever have this guy pray over you, you feel something. There are people who pray over you and you're like, yeah, that was nice, thank you for the prayer. But there are certain people that when they pray over you, and I believe it's because God has given this young man a gift of faith, but you feel something when Jason prays over you. And so we've asked him to be our prayer director, uh, to take Daryl's place, uh, as, like I said, Daryl and Wallace have moved on uh, to the coast. Um, so he's leading at 9 o'clock on, on Sunday mornings. He's leading our prayer time. And uh, he's actually established a Rushwood Facebook prayer page that some of you have already taken part in, and you're sharing your prayer requests on there. He's putting together an altar team for those, when we have altar calls for people to come and pray over those who come down for special prayer. And so uh, he's doing a lot of stuff already, and we're, we're asking God to show us more because God never said, God's Word never said that our church is supposed to be, or any church is supposed to be a house of preaching. It never said it's supposed to be a house of teaching or a house of fellowship, and it's all those things, but God's Word declares that his house should be a house of prayer. And we want to be that more and more. So I want you to pray for this guy. I want you to uphold him in prayer as he tries to direct us to more and more prayer within this church. Can you give him a round of applause of appreciation? And so give him heaven, brother. We love you. We love you. Well, this morning we are starting a new series. We just finished up last week our how-to series. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a little bit more of an informative series. And we're about to transition to a new series starting today. And it's also going to be kind of informative, but the Bible is so rich. I don't know if you study God's Word. If you don't, I, I just pray, I just ask that you would begin to study God's Word. Whether you study it by actually sitting down to an actual physical copy, or whether a lot of you I know use uh, the version and use the Bible app online, and that works well for you. You have downloaded that app, and that helps to keep you on track. I don't care how it looks. You need to be in God's Word. There's so much richness there. I'm getting feedback, guys. I don't know if anybody else is, but I'm getting some feedback up here. Um, so much richness in God's Word, so much blessing to be found there. And there are certain parts of the Bible that have become the famous parts of the Bible, the parts that everybody knows, the parts that everybody talks about. And I believe all of this from front to back. I believe every word is God's word. I believe it's all God-breathed. And I believe that it's useful for teaching and correction and rebuke. I believe that it's all God's word and we need to know all of it. But there are certain parts that over the centuries Christians have found to be the greatest areas of blessing. And so over the next few weeks, this is going to take us into the fall. This is going to be a long series, y'all, because there's so much. And there's even more I could have put in this series it's going to be a long series, but we're doing a series called The Bible's Greatest Hits. The Bible's Greatest Hits. And we begin today with Jeremiah 29. Many of you may know Jeremiah 29, 11. If you get a graduation card, that verse is probably printed on there. I think somebody's excited about it already. Um, a lot of people's life verse, a lot of people really tie into that. What's amazing, though, when we study the Bible, we have to put it in context. That helps the, the, the full meaning come out, the full understanding. And so this morning, we're going to put Jeremiah chapter 29 in context. But we're also doing another thing this morning. We are uh, we're celebrating the fact that we have freedom in this nation. We're celebrating the birth of our nation. Um, 
And so I wanted to tie that in as well. And so it's going to be a little bit of a philosophical, not as much exegetical, where we're taking the Bible and taking every word apart. A little bit more of a philosophical understanding this morning. The rest of this series will probably be very exegetical and very tied to the Scripture. But we're doing a couple of different things here. But we're going to cover verses like John 3.16. At one point, John 3.16 was probably the best known verse in the Bible. Now they say it's probably been supplanted by Matthew 7, 1, which says, judge not. Well, not the whole verse. That's the only thing that people know is those two words. But anyway, we may be looking at that one as well. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at the 23rd Psalm. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, which is called the what? The love chapter. We're going to talk about God's view of love. You may find out that it's different than man's view of love. In fact, you are going to find out that is different than man's view of love. So we're going to be, in 2019, our goal was to teach you basic Christian things. Basic things that every Christian needs to know to follow Jesus Christ in this world. And so I believe that we need to know these portions of Scripture that are so familiar. They have blessed millions of Christians over the centuries, and I think they're going to bless you as well. So I'd love for you to show up every Sunday as much as you possibly can to be part of this series that we're beginning. But like I said, today I want to begin with a verse and a section of Scripture that kind of ties us into a question. Or maybe this question ties us into the Scripture. I don't know how that all works. You can figure it out for me. But this week we will celebrate the founding of our nation on July 4th, 1776. You may not know the Declaration of Independence was actually signed on July 2nd, 1776. And the early, the founding fathers thought that July 2nd would actually be the day that was celebrated. But there were amendments and slight changes made, and that was finished on July 4th. And July 4th actually became the day that we celebrated. So anyway, I'm a geek. I'm sorry. I know that bored you to death. But anyway, just so you know that. But we are celebrating the birth of our nation. And so this week, there's going to be family vacations. My family just came off of a family vacation uh, down at the beach. It was a great trip. As it is with most vacation weeks, it seems like we left one day and we came back the next. It was quick. But there'll be family vacations, there'll be fireworks, cookouts. I like to eat, so I like that part of it. Patriotic music, wearing red, white, and blue. We encouraged you, and several of you did that this morning. You wore your patriotic colors, and I love that. Thank you for being a team player and doing that this morning. Even in our house, sometimes we watch patriotic movies during this time or historical movies about the founding of America. We're a homeschool family, so we're always trying to teach something uh, in everything that we do. We study American history, and so there's a lot of national kind of swelling up with a, a national pride at this point in time. My question is going to be this this morning, because the Apostle Paul told us we should test all things. Just because the culture, and we definitely need to get this lesson down pat, just because the culture around us is doing it doesn't make it right. Just because everybody you look at is participating in something doesn't make it right. Now, we should not just have that sort of knee-jerk re reaction where we get in with everything that everybody's doing. Now, my mom, who's the lady sitting right over there when I was growing up, often told me, if everybody can feel good doing it, it's probably not right. That was how, that's how I grew up. That, that's, that's, that's the way we grew up in the Tysinger household. If everybody can feel good doing it, it's probably not right. But the Apostle Paul said this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. He said, test everything. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. 
And so this morning, the question that I want to put to you, just because everybody is celebrating it and we're wearing flags and we're wearing red, white, and blue and all that, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that we should necessarily do it. We need to think this through. I think a lot of times as Christians, we're not thoughtful enough. A lot of times as Christians, we don't investigate and think things through enough. We just kind of follow along with everybody else. And so this morning, we want to test this. And the question is, should a serious Christian be patriotic? Should a serious Christian be patriotic? And look, I know where I am this morning. I'm in Randolph County, North Carolina, y'all. And so, woo, yeah. And the first reaction... And as I've told people what the topic of my sermon was going to be today, the first reaction is going to be, of course. What else would we do? Of course, I mean, this is a patriotic area. This is an area that loves America, loves our country, loves our flag. We are a very patriotic area. But there are other areas of the country where they would say, absolutely not. I'm on a pastor's uh, webpage on Facebook, and it was interesting. This question was posed, what should be done around July 4th in a church and it was amazing the amount of pastors who said we do absolutely nothing and we will never do anything to celebrate that civic holiday. There are places around the country where the, where the answer would be the total opposite of what we would probably knee-jerk think and they would say absolutely not. Christians shouldn't have anything to do with any sort of nationalistic fervor or any sort of national pride or anything like that. So this morning here's what I'm going to do. I don't always do it this way Probably I should do it more because I like my opinion and I feel like everybody has a right to it. But um, this morning, what I'm going to do, I'm going to present an argument. Y'all caught that, didn't you? Um, I'm going to present an argument for being patriotic as a Christian. And then I'm going to present the flip side of that argument. And don't just dismiss that part because there are some points in there that are some salient points, some good points. So I want you to listen to that too. But look, it's really, and I'm picking about this, I'm joking about it, it's really not my opinion that counts. It's really not. I mean, I like my opinion, I've thought about my opinion, I've backed it up as much as I can, but it's not my opinion that counts. This is the opinion that counts. God's Word is the opinion that counts. What God believes on a subject is the ultimate opinion on a subject. Not my opinion and not your opinion. I don't want to offend you this morning. It's His opinion that counts. So I'm going to give you the pros. And then I'm going to give you the cons, and then I'm going to give you a biblical look at patriotism, a biblical look at how we can love our country maybe the right way instead of the wrong way. So this is some thinking this morning. I hope you got your thinking caps on. I mean, we're providing lunch right after this, so don't worry about lunch. And by the way, please stay with us. We do these meals several times a year so that we can get together, get to know each other a little bit. People may say, I've been going to Rushwood for six months, and I don't know anybody. If you want to get to know some people, participate in this sort of thing, get to know some people, form some friendships, form some bonds, this is the, one of the ways that we can do it. So please stay afterwards, barbecue, ice cream, great stuff going on right after this service, great time of fellowship. But number one, let me give you first, or first of all I should say, the argument for being patriotic. Let me give you the argument for being patriotic. Let me give you four points on that, and I'll try to move through them pretty quickly. Point number one. When we are patriotic, we honor those who sacrificed for our nation. When we are patriotic, we honor those who sacrificed for our nation. If the numbers I found online are right, since 1776, since the Revolutionary War, over 1.2 million Americans have died in service to our country during wartime. Many of those Americans who died 
in, in service to our country during wartime were 18, 19, 20 years old. They had full lives ahead of them. I turned 40 this year. I'm like double that. But I remember, believe it or not, I remember what it was like to be 20. I remember what it was like to have a full life ahead of me. These patriots laid down their lives at an early age. Did not have to do it, many of them. Some, some may have been uh, drafted into service, but many volunteered to lay their life down or put their life on the line for this country. The Bible tells us very specifically that we are to give honor to those to whom honor is due. And I can't think of anybody else who should be honored than the one who stood in our stead died on our behalf, protected our nation. I believe they are worthy of honor. And really, I don't see, if you disagree with that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. you got a problem. The Bible tells us to give honor to who honor is due. We owe these folks a debt of gratitude. At 18 years old, my grandfather left his home in Ashboro, went across the sea to be part of the cleanup of World War II. And so I honor his sacrifice. He, he survived, he came back, and he lived a good full life with us. But many others did not. And so I believe that we owe a debt of gratitude to those who laid their lives down for their families, for their nation. That seems like something we should honor. And so I believe that is one of the cases or one of the points for the case that Christians should be patriotic. Let me give you a second argument for patriotism. America has a history of Christian patriots. America has a, a history of Christian patriots. I'm just going to give you one. There's way we would be here a long time, but let me give you just one. Sergeant Alvin York, ever heard of this guy? Sergeant Alvin York was a serious, serious Christian from Tennessee. He was so serious of a Christian that he took very literally when the Bible said, Thou shalt not kill. He took that command so seriously that at first he would not join the army. He would not join the military during World War I because he said, I will not kill another human being. I will not be part of that. But he wrestled with it. He prayed with it. And finally God gave him the verse. And there's actually a, there's a very old movie that you can watch that tells this story. But as he wrestled with it and as he prayed with it, he had a revelation that he believed was from God that said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God that which was God's. And so he actually joined uh, the, the unit that he was supposed to be part of. He became the most decorated American soldier in World War I. In one single battle, he killed, and by, he was an excellent marksman. He had been a hunter in the hills of Tennessee. In one single battle, he killed 30 to 40 Germans. They're not completely sure of the number, and then captured 132 more by himself. They were surrounded and he completely, he completely uh, basically saved all the men in his unit. Became the most decorated soldier of World War I and he loved Jesus and he loved his country. So that's an American hero, that's an American Christian patriot that is part of our heritage. And so when we are patriotic, we honor people who are like that. We honor Christians who have found it worthy to serve their nation, and they actually serve God by serving their country. By the way, we honored our veterans this morning, and I just want to say I honor you as well. Thank you for your service. I was not a veteran. I, I never served in our military, but I'm so thankful to, for those who did. So that's point number two. We have a history of Christian patriots in this nation and it seems like it's worth honoring them. Point number three. This may be the most controversial point, but 
I believe it to be true. God himself seems to be at work in American history. It seems that God has had a hand in the history of this nation. Not in every point, not in every way, but it does seem like God worked to make this nation a reality. There's a story of one soldier in the French and Indian War who in one battle in the French and Indian War actually had two horses shot out from under him in this battle. And after the battle was over, he examined his coat and he found that he had four bullet holes in the coat that he was wearing but had not one bullet hole in his body. Nothing had touched his body. Nothing had injured him. In fact, the Native American tribe that was against him, finally the one that was directing them said, don't shoot at this guy anymore. The great spirit is protecting him. There's nothing we can do to hurt this guy. You need to stop shooting and you need to see what's going on here. That same soldier years later had to make an escape across an icy river and he had to be unseen on Christmas Day of 1776. This was a battle that if his unit had been seen, if they had been captured, it probably would have ended the Revolutionary War and ended it in Great Britain's favor, in England's favor. But as all looked hopeless and it looked like they were not going to be able to escape, a fog rolled in seemingly from nowhere to protect this man and his men. And if you know your history, you might have already realized that this man's name was General George Washington. He's the one that had the bullet holes in the coat. He's the one that, as he tried to escape, a fog rolled in and protected him and his men seemingly out of nowhere. And there's many stories in American history about it seemed like God showed up in a special way to preserve this nation or to make this nation a reality in this world. And so that's another point that might go toward patriotism. It seems like God, not in every way, not in every circumstance, but in a lot of ways, God loved this nation and was protecting this nation in its history. Third point for patriotism. Many of our leaders and historians have given God the credit for America's greatness. Let me share with you some quotes this morning. Ronald Reagan, that's the first president I can remember. I was born during the time of the Carter administration, but the first president I remember as a child was Ronald Wilson Reagan. He was the first, uh, or I already said that. He said this, If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. It's our national motto. It's our national motto, one nation under God. I'm not sure. I'm not sure our nation still holds God where it used to. I'm not sure, even from this time, back in the 1980s, there's, there's been a lot of change. I'm not sure that we hold God at the place we used to. But I think his words ring so true. If we don't put God in his right place, then we'll be a nation gone under. You may not know this, because you hear so much about the separation of church and state. And the separation of church and state was a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist assuring the Danbury Baptist that the, the government would not come in and try to control churches. That's what all that was about. But it, the language eventually became a wall of separation. And basically now it's used to, please, if you're a Christian, stay out of politics. Please, if you're a Christian, don't have an opinion about anything, which makes no sense whatsoever. We have a rich history of Christians who have served in politics and served in government. But in 19, So you've heard probably a lot about the separation of church and state, but you may not know in 1931, the Supreme Court of the United States declared, we are a Christian people. Stuff you may not have been taught in history class. We are a Christian people. 
actually declared by the Supreme Court. This is one of my favorites, one of my favorite quotes. In the 1880s, the French author Alexis de Tocqueville had toured the United States and he was trying to report on what he saw about the greatness of America. And so he wrote this when he wrote about the greatness of America. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for it in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. What a powerful, powerful quote. I'm not as concerned that we make America great again as I am concerned that we make America good again. Good by God's definition. Good by His righteousness and what He would say is the right path for this nation. So those are four points, real quick. I gave you four points of why there is a, a case that serious Christians can and should be patriotic, can and should be patriotic. But what about the other side? Like I said, in our area, we probably don't consider that always. But is there a side to say maybe Christians should be careful or maybe Christians shouldn't be as patriotic as sometimes we are? And so I want to present that side for a minute. I mean, I'm wearing an American flag shirt. You might guess where I kind of come down on at the end of the day. But let me present this side because I think there are some points that we need to consider as well. The first argument that I think would be presented against patriotism is this. Anything, anything, even good things like love of country can become an idol. Anything can become an idol. My wife and I have four kids that we love to death. They are good. They are blessings from God. But if we put our children above God, then they have become an idol. The career you have the home you have, your bank account, all these things can be good blessings from God, but if you put them above God, then the blessing becomes an idol and it becomes a curse. And oftentimes God will challenge you on that. Abraham and Isaac is a great example of a blessing that God gave to a man, child of promise, but, Abraham, but God wanted to make sure that Abraham put him above his son. Anything can become an idol, and that's not the, the meat of my sermon this morning, but I want us to think about this. It was probably my second year of being the pastor here. It's probably his second or third year. We had a group come in on, on a Sunday, much probably about the same time of year as this Sunday. And we had a group come in and they did a presentation. It was a patriotic presentation and it was good and it was moving and it was respectful and it was reverent and, and there was, the presentation was great. But there was something that happened after that service that really bothered me. There was a lady who came up to me. She doesn't attend church here anymore. But at that point, she was attending church here, and she came up, and she was absolutely glowing. She was absolutely gushing. She was like, that's the best service we've ever had at this church. Oh, we need that every week. And she just went on and on because of the patriotic element in the service. She went on and on how great it was and how wonderful it was. And this lady had been mad at me for like two years, but that Sunday she loved me to death. I was the greatest pastor since sliced bread. You know. And she just went on and on and just glowing about this service. 
And something hit my heart, and I thought, we have been here worshiping Jesus Christ for two years, or three, whichever it was, and you haven't been excited yet. We've had people get saved in this church, come down to pray for salvation, be baptized, and you didn't get excited. But you are so excited today, and I thought, the thought came in my mind, wasn't Jesus enough for you? Did you have to have, A.W. Tozer, great preacher, said, one of the dangers in life is to have Jesus and. Jesus and whatever. Because you don't need Jesus and whatever, you just need Jesus. And so I, I saw that morning, I believe, and you probably know where I'm going with this, I believe in being patriotic, I believe in loving our country, I believe in all that. But we do have to be careful that we don't turn that into an idol. And we do have to be careful. I love this morning because our kids, didn't our kids do a great job this morning? Awesome job this morning. And I love that we appreciated that. And I love that we stood and we clapped. That was all great. I loved what happened there. But I loved even more that when we were singing basically, basically what was the Apostles' Creed, that you stepped forward and said, you know what? We love America, but we love Jesus. Jesus is our primary allegiance. I don't want to tip my hat too much on where I'm, where I'm going with this sermon, but I love that this morning. We were exalting the name of Jesus above everything. The first two commandments, and by the way, next week I'm preaching on the Ten Commandments, but the first two commandments, ten-point sermon, so pack a lunch. But anyway, <laughs> the first two commandments, Exodus 20, chapter 3 through 5 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And then the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. If we're honest, could America become just another little G God that we place before the true and living God in our hearts? If we're honest, yes, it could. We have to be careful of that. We have to, America is a good thing, and we are blessed to be in this nation, but America is not as good as Jesus. America is not as good as God. America has not saved me. It's blessed me, but, but Jesus is the one who has saved me. And so this might be an argument about ser against Christi serious Christians being patriotic. Let me raise another issue. I think we have to own this, by the way. You can love your family and not love everything they do. I already said this this morning. You can love your nation and not agree with everything your nation does. America has not, point number two, America has not always been and isn't always right or righteous. Let me give you a brief tour of history. Slavery was wrong. I know we're in the South. I know that people, you know, we, some people still have rebel pride and all that sort of thing. But slavery was wrong. Somebody created in the image of God being a slave to another person is wrong. I'm sorry, period, end of story. We should, that was an institution that was wrong. We should repent of that, not that we personally did it, but just that that's part of our nation's history. The Trail of Tears was wrong. Taking Native Americans and marching them halfway across the country and they, dying of, they were dying of disease and all the, I mean, it's called the Trail of Tears for a reason. It was an awful thing that was implemented by our government. That was wrong. Like it or not. It was wrong. Jim Crow was wrong. Separating people by skin color. That was wrong. I said a few weeks ago, and I will not back up on it, there's only really one race, and that's the human race. We're all created in the image of God. 
my dad grew up in the Jim Crow era, and he said even as a little boy he knew white drinking fountains and colored drinking fountains were wrong. He said even as a little kid he knew that was not right because we're all created in God's image. Thank God that we are past that. Thank God that we don't do that sort of thing anymore. But that was a period in our nation's history that was wrong. By the way, a lot of times the South gets the blame for all of this stuff. If you study history, the northern states did a lot of things too. It's not just the South, although we have a lot to own up for. Currently, right now, Roe versus Wade is wrong. I don't care what anybody says. I watched a couple of debates this week where they were all, I don't know, it was like they were rushing to see who could kill the most babies. That's wrong. God is grace, gracious and God is merciful. Because if God was not gracious and he was not merciful, he would have already judged this country severely for what we're doing. 3,000 unborn children killed every day. That's wrong. I don't care who tries to make it right, and I know there's groups of quote-unquote Christians out there now who say that is right. They're wrong. That is wrong. Those are children created in the image of God. Those are people created in His image, and it's wrong. And I, I will never support it. I will never rest until that is defeated. I like there's a T-shirt out there that says, I survived Roe versus Wade, but Roe versus Wade will not survive me. That's my motto. I will fight that until that's over because it's a wrong that's being done right now in our nation. And there's others we could point out. There's other things in the history of America that were wrong and that we could point out. And there's other contemporary topics that we might be able to get into where we've been wrong. If we're so patriotic that we overlook our nation's sins, then we fail to be the prophetic voice that God has called us to. We're supposed to speak truth to power. I was just reading, I was reading through Exodus just this week, and I, it just jumped out at me. It never jumped out at me before in that way. But God told Moses, Moses, I'm going to make you the voice of God to Pharaoh. I'm going to make you my voice. You're going to be as God to Pharaoh. You're going to go and you're going to speak my words to the most powerful man in the world. You're going to go and you're going to speak the truth to him. I believe the church has the same call. We are supposed to speak truth to power. Where there is injustice, where there are things done wrong to our fellow human beings, we're supposed to speak up. And that doesn't matter red, yellow, black, and white, unborn, born, it doesn't matter. If they're human beings created in the image of God as Christians, we're supposed to take up for them. We're supposed to love our neighbor as what? Ourselves. Martin Luther King Jr., whatever you think of him, this quote is right. He said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state but rather the conscience of the state. As Christians, we're supposed to be, because we have the Holy Spirit. At least we're supposed to. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not really a Christian, by the way, but that's a whole different story. But if we're Christians, we have the voice of the Holy Spirit. If we'll just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we can be the conscience of whatever nation that we're in because we have God living in us and hopefully speaking through us. And so we can't be so patriotic that we ignore our nation's sins. Some we need to say we, we repent of those and we don't want any part of, of anything that came from those and some we need to call out right now. And so that's another area that patriotism could get dangerous if we're not careful. Another issue, might be my most controversial point of these, Americans are not the only people that God loves. God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. If they have a pulse, if they have breath, Jesus died for them. And we're not the only ones that God loves. 
Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Did you get that? Every nation is going to be represented in heaven. Even the ones we don't like. I heard a, a Christian uh, songwriter one time say, you know, the Bible says that we're going to judge the nations, and he said, and I've got my favorite ones already picked out. You know, we are going to judge the nations, but every nation is going to have representatives in heaven. Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Americans are not the only ones that God loves. Our family as Christians, I love my American family, but our family as Christians is bigger than just Americans. I want you to think of the country, don't say it out loud, please don't say it out loud. Think of the country you hate worst on this earth. The nation that you hate the worst. You hate their policies, you hate how they come against America. Think of that nation. If you can think of that nation, understand that God, that Jesus died for that nation as well. He died for the people of that nation. If our patriotism makes us believe that God loves us better than he loves them, then our patriotism has really led us into sin. It's an arrogance that God never meant for us to have. Now, I do believe that God has had a special role for America in this world, but I don't believe that makes me any better than anybody else. God loves all of us. God has children everywhere, and we're all part of one family. Finally, and I hate to say this point, but I think it's true, Biblical Christianity may not always be allowed in America. There may be a form of Christianity. Now, I'm not sure, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a true form, but there may be a form of Christianity that's allowed in America, but I'm not sure that true biblical Christianity will always be allowed in America. This picture is just from a couple of weeks back. This is not from the United States. This is from Canada. But this was a street preacher, and you can actually go online and you can watch the sermon he was preaching. You can watch as the events unfolded. He was simply preaching that God loved people. And because the, the crowd around him got angry and started to get agitated, they didn't, they didn't arrest the crowd that was coming at him. They arrested him. And he was actually thrown in jail for preaching the love of God. He wasn't preaching fire and brimstone. He wasn't preaching condemnation, nothing like that. He was simply saying, Jesus loves you and he can deliver you from whatever you're in. And he was preaching the love of God. He was arrested and thrown in jail. I'm not so sure. I mean, that's just north of the border, our, our, our next-door neighbors as far as nations go. I'm not sure that that sort of thing will not eventually happen in the United States. And unfortunately in history, unfortunately in history, there have been many times when Christians have had to decide between Jesus and their nation, between Jesus and the laws of the land. And any time that we've had to make that decision, we always have to decide for Jesus. We always have to put him first. I hate that. I hate that it may be possible, but I believe it may be possible. We like to think that it could never happen here, but I'm afraid it could. So this morning, that was four arguments for being patriotic, four arguments against being patriotic. Let me close with this. Hopefully you're not thoroughly confused, but if you are, I'm going to try to clear it up here. Again, most of us know Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. A lot of people know that verse. Like I said, it's on graduation cards all the time. But most of us don't know the passage or the history that surrounds it. 
that verse was not actually written to American Christians. I think there's an application to us, but it was not written to American Christians in the 21st century. It was written to God's people who had been exiled. The nation of Babylon had come down, and because they had disobeyed the word of God, because they had not done what they were supposed to do in submitting to God, God allowed the nation of Babylon, which was not a good nation, not a holy nation, not a righteous nation, but he allowed them to come down and overthrow Jerusalem and actually exile the people of God into the nation of Babylon, the city of Babylon, for 70 years. For 70 years, they were away from where they were supposed to be. They were away from their homeland. They were away from the temple. It was almost as if you could not, not that I think that the church building is the temple. That's another sermon too. But it's almost as if you could not come here to worship. You could not seek God here. You were cast away from your city. You were cast away from everything you had known. That was the situation that the people of God found themselves in. And so they were given to despair. They were ready to give up. They were ready to just throw in the towel and say, look, we're 70 years at least away from, away from the temple, away from Jerusalem, away from everything we've known, away from our land. They could have just thrown it in the towel and said, it's over, forget it. But God said something different. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, God says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. And then here's the key. God says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, what God is saying is work for the good of the place where you find yourself because if it prospers, you will prosper as well. That sounds pretty patriotic to me. We find ourselves in the nation of the United States of America. That's our home. That's where God has placed us. God directly placed you here for a reason. You are here for a reason. And God says you should be good. You should be a good citizen. You should be a good part of the nation. You should be a healthy part of the nation. You should work for the prosperity of the nation where you find yourself. Sounds pretty patriotic. Then Jeremiah 29 continues on, verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you, and I will fulfill my promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. How does this speak to America? Because that was written to the people of God centuries before Jesus. So how does that speak to us? Well, I want you to understand there's an old song. Maybe this is the best way to put it. An old song we used to sing, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's what God is saying here. This is not our eternal home. 
This is our home for right now, and it's good to love our home, and it's good to work for the good of our home, and it's good to want our home to prosper, and it's good to be good citizens. All that is good. And so in that way, patriotism is a good thing. We can be Christian patriots. We can love our nation. We can support our nation when it's right, and we can rebuke it when it's wrong. But summarizing what God is saying here in Jeremiah 29, it's okay to love your country, but remember your ultimate citizenship is in heaven. I love America, but heaven is my home. I love this nation. I love some of the things it stands for. I love the blessings that we have in this nation. I love the laws, that, the Constitution, and I love our heritage and all that. But I know heaven is my home, and I'm looking forward to be there. One, one day, this, this nation is going to pass away in its current form. It's going it's to pass away, but my eternal home is forever. And so that's where I come down on patriotism as a Christian. Yes, love your nation. Let, yes, love this country. Yes, work for the good of this country. But remember, your ultimate citizenship lies in heaven. This morning, we're going to close this way. They got me. I love this song. Pastor Jason actually brought this song to me a couple of months back. And I just played it like four or five times the first time I heard it. I just absolutely love this song. The name of the song is Bury the Workman. And they, you, you'll get it once they start singing it. But the way this ties into this sermon today, throughout history especially if you study the early church. It breaks my heart sometimes that our church, and I'm not talking about Rushwood, but I'm talking about the American church, it breaks my heart that sometimes we are so unlike the early church. The early church was so sold out to Jesus, they would lay their life down at a heartbeat. If the government came against them, if their nation came against them, whatever came against them, they kept moving forward for Jesus Christ. And when they were asked to say that Caesar is Lord, they would not say that Caesar was Lord. Sometimes they were asked just to offer a little pinch of incense and that would suffice and they could save their life. They could just offer a little incense to Caesar as a god and they said, we will not do that because the confession of the early church was three words. Jesus is Lord. And they would not recant and they would not say anything different. Jesus was always kept above everything else. And so that's what this song is about. It's a fun song in a way, but it's got a serious serious message that as Christians we keep God above everything else listen to this song this morning Barry the Workman I think you're going to enjoy it The 
but the work will go on. You can silence the voices, but you can't stop the song. When the spirit's moving, is where we'll be done. You can bury the workmen, but the work will go on. But then they lowered Jesus, they laid him in a grave. They thought that it was over and his name would fade away. But Jesus wasn't listening, no. He rose to life again. Cause God is not persuaded by the arrogance of man. So you can bury the workman, but the work will go on. You can silence the voices, but you can't stop the song. When the spirits move. I told y'all y'all would like that. That was good. Please join us to eat. Please join us for a time of fellowship. We'd love for you to just hang out with us a little bit, get to know each other a little bit better. Let's pray this morning. Father, again, we thank you for this nation. We thank you for the freedom of speech. We thank you for the freedom of assembly. We thank you for the freedom of worship. God, we thank you for all the rights that we have by law. But God, we know that laws ultimately need to correspond to your law. And we exalt your name, we praise your name, because you are the good giver of life. Without you, you, we would be nothing. And we thank you for the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. As we go this week and as we celebrate the birth of our nation, I pray that, God, you would use us to be witnesses. That, God, maybe somebody would be born again through our witness this week. God, use us, we pray. We love you. We thank you for the food that we're about to receive. We pray you'd bless it to our bodies, God. Help us to do your will and only your will on the strength of that, God. Thank you for letting us come here today and worship you. Thank you that you're going to go with us as we leave this place. God, we love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Hey, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great fourth. Please join us for some fellowship.